morning, guys. It's, uh, it's good to see those of you who have four-wheel driver. Obviously, no concern for public safety here today, and uh, <laughs> glad you could be with us. Um, if, you, if you could hear it on my voice, you could probably tell that uh, I'm sick, and uh, I've been sick for the last several days. You guys staying healthy? Or are you like me here, right? Um, those of you who might not be in what we call the health zone today, um, it's kind of fun being sick in one main way. It's like fun to just like revel in the squeamishness of healthy people around you. Um, you ever have that? You know, you know, you're sick, right? And everyone's like thinking right now, who did sharing of the peace with me? You know, you know, most people, most people, they, they don't come like outright and say anything, but you know, you can tell they just like kind of this, they like keep this wide berth. You know what I mean? And, and, and you get these comments that, that sound well-intentioned, but you know they're completely self-serving. It's the comments like, like, wow, shouldn't you really be home right now? Or, oh, you don't look so good. It's the best time to tell ugly people they don't look good, right? You don't look so good. You know, maybe you should, st- which, which is all just code. We know this, right? It's all just code for stay away from me. I personally appreciate the people, and it's a minority group, who take the more direct approach. It's the, you know, the whole, don't come near me, don't talk to me, don't touch, don't even look at me, you know, that kind of thing. You know, with flu going around and and norovirus and and all that, um, people are kind of on high alert with this. Now, mine's just a cold, but I I don't blame people at all. I I don't like getting sick either. And honestly, is there nothing worse in this world than some guy filled with like some kind of sense of bravado who's sick? He's like, I'm going to suck it up. And they come to work, right? Or, or, or they send their kid to school because unless they're bleeding out their eyes, they want their kid to come and infect an entire student population. And you're forced to live in their Petri dish. You know what I mean? And, and, and the worst is when they come to your home that way. I still have horrifying dreams uh, about an event that took place two years ago when one of my daughter's friends came over, and, and I heard her come in the door, and this eight-year-old girl had this cough that all I could say is it sounds like someone took the bass modulation and cranked it to the max. It was kind of this, <coughs> I worship Satan, <coughs> you know, kind of thing coming out of her, and and. In this third grade innocence, we go, like, are you sick, honey? Oh, the doctor said yesterday I shouldn't be contagious for too much longer. And you're like, what are you doing in my house? Now, have any of you ever felt like you have been given the gift of perception? There's these, these spiritual gifts that God gives, but sometimes I feel like I have been given the gift of perception where I can actually see the germs in the air and clinging to the surfaces where I make my residence. There's a clip I want to show you today that I resonate with deeply. It comes from an old Nicolas Cage movie called Matchstick Men. Um, I think it'll speak for itself, but hey, Mark, why don't you fire it up here, all right? All we need is the name of your bank, your account number, your signature down below. Any luck these guys are 
amateur, yeah. right? Yeah, just sent. Just check it out. Sent right there, and you can date it. There you go. Mm-hmm. You all right? He's fine. Thank you both very much. Everything's fine. Let's go. Thank you. Do you ever find yourselves in those situations and you see them? You see them right now all around. You know, and she leaves. And, you know, what do you do? You find yourself in that limbo, right? You're still healthy, but you know the secret enemy is around you. And you're like, you're spraying down doorknobs and you're wiping down remotes. It's like, I think she pet the dog. You're Lysoling the dog. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's like, I've never resonated with movies like Stranger Things or Aliens more where they go into like the, the alien hive that's all dripping and gross and they just go in with the flamethrower and they just kind of like torch the whole thing. It's like she was in that room. I think we need to burn it down. <laughs> I got the bronchitis from hell for two months because of that girl. Bringing her disease into my safe space. She has since been banished from the home. <laughs> I've deemed her anathema and we will revisit at the age of 18. You know what I'm talking about? You know, the funny thing with it is, as much as we hate it, no one comes up to someone who's sick, be it she or I, and like blames them for it. Even if they have blame in getting sick. You know, no one comes up to me because I got a cold and goes, bad Dave, what were you thinking? How could you, right? Likewise, I have yet to see anyone ever come to a doctor and go, who do they think they are, those self-righteous, healthy people who, who think they can make me better? even though what they try to do is kill something in me. That is what an antibiotic means. I just wish they would make antivirotics and get the job done. Which all leads to why Jesus died. Because, of course, central to Christianity is the idea that Jesus died on the cross. And when he died on a cross, it accomplished something very central to a human condition. And that very central thing is what we use the label forgiveness of sins to describe. But my bet is that even after spending these past few weeks together talking about what this phrase means, when I say forgiveness of sins, where your mind immediately runs is that I have committed an offense... And if in somehow offended or angered God by which he forgives me, which means he releases my wrong against him. Either he releases some kind of anger or bitterness that he could hold on, or he waylays some kind of judgment or punishment that he could mete out. But when the New Testament talks about forgiveness of sins, it talks about it in such a a, a wider, much more multifaceted kind of way. It gives different images, not that singular relational image that I just described to you a moment ago. And the image that I want you to take hold of today is twofold. When you hear forgiveness of sins, what I want you to hear today, 
What I want you to see from the New Testament and Old Testament writers today is this idea of being sick versus being well and closely related, being clean versus being unclean. Now, I want to share a story with you from the Gospel of Mark. And what it says is that Jesus went out beside a lake and a large crowd came to him. And he began to teach them. As he was walking along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. And there were many who had followed him. And when the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with those sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Here's what Jesus has to say. On hearing this, he says to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. It's fascinating to me that, that in this teaching, Jesus equates sin with sick. Now, don't hear me wrong. What Jesus is not saying is that you are sick because you are a sinner. No, instead what he's doing is he's giving this metaphor to understand what sin actually is. From one perspective, sin, according to Jesus, is not so much about an offense released as much as it is about a condition or state you happen to be in to which he comes to make you better. Now, the theological term for this is expiation or to expiate. It means something like to, to purge, to purify, or to clean. There's this mid-20th century theologian who I really like. His name is Leon Morris, Australian. And he writes this, the cross is a disinfectant. Isn't that like awesome? See, this is an image that the Bible gives for sin, that it's something contagious and yucky and gross and get it off me, get it away from me because it is going to get me unwell and it may even possibly kill me. And of course, what the Old Testament community would do in relation to sin is that when people would sin, they would cut them off from the community. Now, there were sacrifices to be sure. Can we call it first aid or antibiotics or medication that they could take? Go with the metaphor today. There were certain sacrifices they could do to deal with their sin. But if they didn't, they would be cut off, or in their language, carom from the community. 
Now, a few weeks ago, I taught you a Hebrew word pronounced chesed. Cherem is of the same nature. Give me a good Aram here today. Give me a good Aram here today. No, not Cherem. Give me an Aram. Now give me the All right. Now, what I want you to do is give a good harem all over the back of the person's head in front of you. All right? And, and if you get a little something on them, it's okay. Just lick your fingers and wipe it off. They'll, they'll appreciate that and even thank you for it. Right? Now, how does the, even the thought of that make you feel? None of you did it. Like, not one of you in here did this. Are you kidding me? Why? Because the thought of it is so repulsive, so gross, so ew, it makes you want to run screaming from the building. Am I right? Could you imagine walking in on a day like today, and yet you ever in like close proximity to a spitter? Someone who doesn't know how to not enunciate properly when you're in that 10 to 14 inch window, and you're just kind of like, Go away. Because for ancient Israel, sin was worse than disease. Sin was something gross and yucky and infectious that makes you broken, that makes you unwell. And they wanted to cut it out and distance themselves from it, particularly in their community. Think about it like a quarantine. That if sin is equated to disease, then this thing called sin might be better thought of on biological terms for the purpose of this metaphor. And when someone is carrying a biologic that could infect everyone, you put them into quarantine. This was the spirit of what they called cherem. And it was the same with God. There's another passage I want to read to you today. It's a psalm. And it starts by saying this. Let me give you verse 1. Maybe. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. Now, off the bat, this sounds like a property claim. But the deeper you get into the psalm, the more you see it's about where God lives. It is a residence claim that in some way the earth is God's temple. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. He founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Now it goes specific to that locale, that, 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 that brick-and-mortar temple within the earth. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord, the hill where his temple is on? Who may stand in the holy place? He who has clean hands, who isn't infected. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who isn't laden with disease who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false, 
He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God, his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. We don't like being in proximity of disease. God doesn't like it either. We don't like it when people come to our offices, our schools, or our home who are hacking all over kingdom come. God doesn't like it either. If sin is like disease, who can come into the presence of the Lord? He who is clean. The problem is, the people God love are sick. And it just kind of keeps heaping up again and again. You ever notice how like, just because you get sick and get better, it doesn't keep you from getting sick? Again, disease has a funny way of coming back around again and again. And just as soon as you think you have taken intentional measures to deal with it, it'll catch you unaware, the wrong time, the wrong place, when you're off guard, when you're worn down, coming in and infecting you Again, and despite the sacrifices and despite the things that, 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 that God would do, it's like his people would just heap up this uncleanness again and again. And so in the Old Testament, you find this practice. It goes by the name, you can find it in Leviticus, called the Day of Atonement. But really what it is, is a house fumigation, a spring cleaning. It's the idea that God has invited people to come live in his home. But their junk just keeps building up again and again. And so once a year, he has to go through the house and expiate it, purge it purify it, clean it, and get it all away. You've seen this and the necessity for this. Many of you probably keep your house straightened. But don't you realize and haven't you found that even though you keep it somewhat neat, and I know I'm only speaking to half of you, all right? Even though you keep it somewhat neat, it starts to get crusty, and so we have these things called spring cleaning. You know, every now and then, you got to do the deep clean. You got to get down there because the junk builds up. Guys, no matter how much we try to keep our lives straightened and neat, doesn't our junk build up? Dear woman, close family member, someone who I just absolutely love and adore, has become a hoarder. I'm going to show you a couple pictures here today. What do you do when you're a hoarder and the garbage fills up? You find a little opening to just throw things away. Rooms are filled, staircases are covered, 
inability to even get on the bed? Have you found in your own house that even though it might not be like this, your junk builds up too? Have you ever cleaned your kid's room? It's like you got rid of all the stupid gifts, all the stupid toys, all the stuff that just kind of finds its way, and you're like, ah. And three months later, it's like, where did it all come from again? You have the junk drawer, the junk closet, the junk garage, the junk storage space, the junk home. Junk has a way of accumulating. And it's the same with sin. And so on the Day of Atonement, they would go through and spring clean, taking it all out of the house, making it clean again. And every year they would have to do this because you think that that would be enough But it's amazing what piles up before the next year rolls around again. And here's this God inviting people into his home, bringing their junk, piling up and piling up, and every year purging it again. It makes God a sort of cosmic garbage man, the dumpster, where everything that belongs in the trash can be thrown and placed and taken away. See, the New Testament will write about Jesus as our day of atonement. His cross about the place where our junk can be piled up, purged, purified, clean, and taken away. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick, and he takes our disease on. I love how that famous passage of Isaiah puts it. Surely he took up our infirmities. It's referring to sin and carries our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. My encouragement to you is not to see the forgiveness of sins in one singular way. But to let Jesus speak with variety and image and metaphor to help you understand what it is that you carry today. And in the process, instill a desire within you to be rid of it today. There's a classic story. 
of a king and a beggar. And the beggar who is sick and dirty and dressed in rags is brought into the king's presence. And this is a major violation and breach of protocol. This comes with great offense. But the king, being kind and compassionate, simply says, I forgive you. But the beggar says, but that you would make me healthy and clean. May you wish for something more today than for God to simply forgive your offense, but to make you healthy and clean. That's why Jesus died. And that's why the cross and his death are so central to us today.